a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes Scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. So, people say, what is the problem with all these various and uh, divided churches, etc., etc.? And the answer is, the problem is the doctrine of justification. We got it wrong. So, I mean, the irony here is, is that the, the mystic um, is always trying to turn away from the, cre- the creation and uh, into what is um, unseen and only felt. And what God wants to do is turn us away from what is unseen and felt into the tangible, the, the water, right. the word, uh, right, the right. bread and wine. What is it? We got to integrate God's story and make it our story and we be- become participants in the biblical narrative. It makes me want to puke Yale blue. Well, at least it's better than a root canal. Welcome to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Barely. <laughs> if you listen with your face real close to the radio, your teeth just might actually start falling out. <laughs> hey, we got a pretty good show in store. We have. Uh, what are you got to be? Kidding. We do have a guest coming on later, right? Did you talk to him? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, That's and good. Then we're playing the Ten Commandments, the news, and then Bible Bee. How was the last time we played Bible Bee? That's been. I don't know. I, apparently, ago. you and my Bible Bee arch nemesis <laughs> Ketchelmeyer. We're hanging around at the higher things up in Tacoma, Washington, and he said, "Hey, how come you have never had me going on?" And you were talking about how I'm always scared and intimidated and <laughs> frightful. And Every time I catch him, I his name comes up, you start sweating. You're like, oh. yeah, I, I squeeze tightly to my little Moses <laughs> teddy bear. <laughs> That's right. So I called them up and I said, bring it on, Ketchemeyer. All right. We're going to see uh, how that so goes. So what else are we doing, though? I got I forgot all the other stuff we're doing. Ten Tell Commandments in the News Ooh, and yeah. uh, buzzwords. You got lots of news stories. And an email. I've got one. Email. Okay. This should be enough. All right. So uh, let's go to buzzwords first. My theological yes. buzzword for you comes from tabletalkradio.org under the buzzwords tab, which hasn't been up, updated in at least two years. Um, yep. and, and <laughs> Like everything else on the Internet, way behind. Right. But the, the, your buzzword is predestination, and uh, this says that the, it is the doctrine in which God elects men to be saved from the beginning of time. In Lutheran doctrine, predestination is always for the sake of the gospel because the Bible doesn't say that God elects some for damnation. And that's true. The Bible doesn't yeah, say true. that. doesn't. Hey, uh, don't turn. Uh, close that page because I want you to read the definition of my theological buzzword, okay. and it is um, vocation. You think we have that word on here? Yeah. We don't. Oh. But wow. Have we done it before? I don't know. Maybe. Probably. Huh. Oh, there you you go. Want, want to pick another one? <laughs> no, no, that's okay. Uh, vocation. That's okay. the uh, vocation. It comes from vocatio, which means calling. Our friends, the Roman Catholics, say vocation, and they mean priesthood, but that's not what we mean. No way, man. We mean whatever it is that the Lord has called you to do, the station that you have in life. Who is your neighbor? That defines your vocation. So you have a wife, that means you have the vocation of husband. You have children, that means you have the vocation of father or mother, depending on if you are a man or a woman. Uh, you have the vocation of child, you have the vocation of citizen, the vocation of Christian and member of a church, etc. If you have a job, you have the vocation of doing whatever that job is, etc. Okay. So. Um, vocation. All right. So let's go to the email bag. What do you have there? Yeah, okay, I got one here for you. And it says this. Uh, this is from Liz. Okay, my cult of pure doctrine fellows. Hey, speaking of the cult of pure doctrine, we have now four chapters 
since I counted the four and stopped counting, but I don't know. I think I haven't seen any applications come in. So if you're interested in starting your own chapter of the Cult of Pure Doctrine, our goal is to have uh, 1,000 new chapters by the 500th anniversary of the Re- <laughs> Reformation in 2017. <laughs> the Cult of Pure Doctrine. So, so the what, what what were the requirements for starting a Cult of Pure Doctrine? Something you had obnoxious. To have something obnoxious. A and then you had to report the bylaws to your bylaws to me for approval. And what else? And you had to subscribe to the Book of Concord. Yeah, a quia subscription. So then you had the Calvinists say, can we... Can we? Yeah, the Calvinists wanted to open a cult of pure doctrine, and they were rejected because <laughs> they didn't have pure doctrine. <laughs> Anyhow, Liz writes, Okay, my cult of pure doctrine fellows, I found this interesting article about a well-known in Scotland, well-known, free church preacher who was leaving his denomination because they approved the use of hymns and worship, and that was getting a bit too modern for a simple preacher like him. Or something like that. In other words, hymns were too modern. Because he only wants to use psalms. Hmm. His objection to singing uninspired songs in worship reminded me of the objections to lame, vague drivel in some praise songs of late. Now, I know you overeducated pastor types will start hollering about the slippery slope fallacy, to which I will object and say that the statistical inference... Oh, yeah. The statistical inference would imply that not every case must confirm, but merely a normal curve emerge from such an observed phenomenon. So... Take that, radio clowns. Okay. Submit it for your theological pondering, or at least circumlocution. I have given a former Free Church of Scotland preacher turned Reformed Presbyterian Church of Scotland preacher, Kenneth Stewart, uh, and his article. So here it is. And then Liz says, oh, by the way, oh, hey, I don't have, uh, don't you have a Calvinist buddy in the UK? He might know about this. And she, uh, Liz also notes, overeducated is a term of endearment. So here's the article. Well-known free church minister, Reverend Kenneth Stewart, is quitting the free church over the controversy to introduce hymns and music into the worship service. Reverend Stewart, a fierce critic of hymn singing move, has resigned his post as a minister and would also sever his links with the denomination. Crucially, the North East, North East raised preacher, I don't know how to say that, is not expected to leave a split in the church, nor encourage his congregation to follow him, though he will highlight his own reasons for going. He's expected to seek a new home as a pastor in another Scottish Presbyterian church. His actual departure date has not been not been revealed. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, revealed. Okay. Hmm. Boy. Okay. There you go. So, so basically, instead of instead of singing, this is guys more psalms, grumpier than us. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're over there in Scotland doing the the hymn cruncher. Hey, let's see how closer closely it follows the text of the psalm. Crunched. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a fun game, but in, in Scott, you gotta crunch it a little more Scottishly. Crunch, <laughs> crunch. My Scottish accent is pretty poor. Australian, on the other hand, spot on, mate. Spot on. So, was there a question somewhere in this email? Like, why? Nope. Oh. Just for us to talk about it. Okay, I That's have all. a question then. All right. Let's see if I have time here. Oh yeah, three minutes, three and a half minutes. Oh, loads of minutes. I have his, by the way, his objections to singing hymns, if you want that. So. Okay. Well, um... But your question first? Okay, well, this is from Tara. I have a new email. I'm going to move on. Oh. Uh, and okay. when I say Tara, I meant Mark. <laughs> uh, Mark Mark writes, is a different name in the two-line and in the signature? You know how that goes? <laughs> Thanks, Mark, for writing in in Canada. 
Ontario. He says, I attend an evangelical church here in Ontario, Canada. Oh, Canada. And have just been uh, just started listening to this podcast. Sorry to hear that, Mark. I discovered it after hearing Pastor Wolf on issues, etc. Hey, oh you man, were, you were just complaining about her. not being on issues. How you've been on issues, etc. All the time lately. <laughs> Once, a friend Once. of mine has uh, a friend of mine was asking why we don't observe the Sabbath, and I was explaining how it's part of the old covenant and not part of the new covenant. That's I was old covenant, baby. Oh. I was wondering if you might recognize that movie line. Can I get through this email? (laughs) Hurry. I was wondering if you might discuss it sometime in your show and point me to some reading material that might help me understand this issue better. Fantastic show and a breath of fresh air with all the biblical content. I am discovering that I have uh, I have had a lot of questions about the church I attend. Thank you for writing Mark in New Market, Ontario, Canada. Yay. So. uh, Um, Thanks for listening, eh? So Old Testament and New Covenant. Uh, <laughs> the only thing I know about Canada was from, remember that movie Strange Brew? Uh, hey, I hey. do. I love that show. Movie, I mean. <laughs> yeah, the biggest text uh, about the Sabbath is this. Colossians 3.16. Let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance is of Christ. That's I mean, this 216, is the text. Two sixteen. Uh, yes, two sixteen is not what I said, but that is right. That yeah. is what the text is, and this is the key text that we want to have when we think about the Sabbath. That the Sabbath, especially the third commandment, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, belongs to the ceremonial law of the old covenant, and we are of the new covenant. So the Sabbath and circumcision, etc. Um, uh, the kosher laws, the priesthood, the sacrifices, all of these things were shadows of what was to come, and the substance of the shadow is Jesus. Right. I mean, this this is fantastic. So so when uh, when Paul here is writing and, and says that this is a shadow, um, he's saying that, that uh, there was something to come in the, in the New Testament that would be the fulfillment of this thing that we have in the Old Testament. Okay, so what was this thing in the Old Testament? That, uh, that just as God had created in six days, on the seventh day they should rest— that here all all of Israel was just sitting around resting, not doing things. Uh, do, they weren't doing things on the Sabbath. So now how is that uh, picture fulfilled for us in the New Testament? Well, uh, that is that um, we don't do anything for our salvation. So Christ is our Sabbath. We get to heaven yeah. not by working but by resting. <laughs> and so how is it that we receive uh, this wonderful gift uh, of, of salvation? Well, it is through, uh, through the Word and through the sacraments. That when we come to church on Sunday morning, we're coming not to um, not to primarily to be worshipers, to be to be workers, but to be receivers. That they got to be serving us, delivering His gifts to us, and we're in sacrament. So this is why I think Luther is um, is is uh, bringing something all new to the table when he when he teaches this. Uh, so that the the third commandment, I remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, is all about uh, loving and hearing the Word of God, be it on Sunday or Saturday or Wednesday or Thursday, whenever there's a Bible study, a church service, your your devotional readings at home. This is all tied up in the third commandment. That's right. And, we're, and the rest that we have, is just to emphasize what you said, is the rest from trying to please God by our works. Another couple of places to look, by the way, the last few chapters, uh, verses of Matthew 11 and then uh, chapter 12, where Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you Sabbath ah, for your rest. All right, if you have a question, send it to us. Questions at Table Talk Radio. We'll be right back. You belong in my sweet heart. I 
Who's ready for little Ten Commandments in the news? Oh, me, me. All right. Well, I don't know. It depends on what you mean by ready. Well, um, you you could make us ready by telling us how this game works. Okay, so the way this game works is we read a news story and then talk about the Ten Commandments in the news. Hmm. Pretty catchy, huh? It is. Um, so we have to be looking for a breaking of the Ten Commandments in this story? Not necessarily. Okay. Although that's the easy way. <laughs> why did you why did, did you invent this game anyway? Because I think the Ten Commandments are much more than we think of them. We normally think the Ten Commandments is just like the like the ten rules that are posted on the wall at the swimming pool, you know? Don't run, don't swim without eat no glass bottles. It's just a list of things that you're not supposed to do. So we think of the Ten Commandments that way. But but the Ten Commandments are more like the um, blueprints for the universe. I mean, they define all of the gifts that God wants to protect. It's really stunning. All right, there it is. So, so I have a news report for you, and uh, here it is. Good. <laughs> I'm glad you got it. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, you could be looking for your own very news <laughs> I'm going to look uh, on Feedly. I see, I see show prep hasn't changed much. <laughs> no. Oh. All right, here it is. Egypt's military leader has called for mass demonstrations Friday, granting the army approval to confront what he claims is terrorism. In a speech Wednesday, General Abdel Fattah al-Sisi urged all Egyptians to take to the streets Ooh. Friday and give him a mandate to counter all violence and potential terrorism. The commander's calls come amid growing violence between supporters and opponents of ousted President Mohamed Morsi. In the most recent bout of violence, a dozen people, mostly police officers, were injured after a bomb went off in Mansoura Tuesday evening. An unidentified gunman later shot and killed two pro-Morsi protesters. More than 100 people have been killed in Egypt since the military removed Morsi from power three weeks ago. The majority of those were supporters of the deposed president. According to the New York Times, Al-Sisi's speech may have shown who is really in charge in Egypt, while also fueling concerns among Islamists that they're the target of a military crackdown. General Sisi's no. comments have deepened the sense <laughs> that he, rather than the interim government that generals installed, is Egypt's de facto leader. Wearing dark glasses throughout his speech, he seemed at times to be speaking directly to Mr. Morsi's Islamist supporters. A BBC correspondent says Al-Sisi's comments are unprecedented by a military leader from any country. He's telling people, in effect, to take to the streets to confront... He says violence and terrorism. Everybody knows he's talking about the Muslim Brotherhood. But clearly these statements from General Sisi have really ratcheted up the intensity of the crisis. The The Muslim Brotherhood says the general's comments are a direct threat to supporters of Morsi, that it will not stop millions of demonstrators from continuing to protest for his release and reinstatement. All right, there it is. Oh, that's that's no problem. We could take that in about 30 seconds. Okay, good. You got a coup? You got a coup, you know, that's a... Government sort of thing. Probably has to do with the Fourth Commandment. I always thought you were against silent letters. Coup? That's how they say Q in Australia. Coup? Okay. Not really. I don't th- in fact, I don't think that's true. Sorry. My bad, Australians. My bad. My bad. Oh, and yeah. you had 100 people die. Uh, that is the Fifth Commandment. And these guys were Muslims. That's Second Commandment. Mm. First Commandment, too. Um... Let's see. Sixth commandment, not necessarily. Eighth commandment. This is. I think the eighth commandment gets in here because the eighth commandment is establishing the court system, and I I'm not a hundred percent sure if the eighth commandment would have the judicial system actually be separated from the executive branch of government. 
uh, the executing things versus the judging of things. In the ancient world, you know, the king was the judge. But the Eighth Commandment is uh, there with, with the courts and also probably with the media. The very fact that we have a news station. Is this from Newsy? <laughs> I even deleted that part so you wouldn't make fun of it. From We're Newsy. pretty much just going to play Ten Commandments in the Newsy from here on out. Listen so you know. to the Newsy. They go so fast, you can't even take notes. <laughs> That's probably also an Eighth Commandment phenomenon, the press. Do you ever think about that? Probably not. Uh, that probably covers it. So you're saying... Covetousness, because they that, got the pyramids. That the Muslims have nothing to do with the Third Commandment? Is, it, is I understanding you correctly? Well, yeah. Mo- uh, second Commandment, Third Commandment, false doctrine commandments. So false words to God, false words from God. That's uh, Those are all bound up together. So, okay. Second and Third Commandments, right. Of course. All right. Um, Should have mentioned that. Now, I think that's a lot of commandments. I've tried to figure out. I asked someone yesterday, is this a good thing or a bad thing, this coup in Egypt? Seems like it's probably a good thing, except for our government apparently has a general distaste for coups. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, I mean, this actually would play in rather well to the discussion on vocation, wouldn't it? I mean, I'm I'm not really trying to sneak the buzzword by you or anything there, but oops. Um, I mean, so so the, the whole idea of a of a coup is that we don't like the person who's in the office that he holds, and so we're gonna take it upon ourselves to to get rid of get rid of that person. Um, I remember talking to my pastor years ago, and I don't even remember what we were talking about at the time, but I remember he said something to me that's really stuck with me, and that was he said it's pretty much a sin to do anything. For, uh, in which you don't have an office to do, you know. So, so if I um, if I cast a vote in my country, I'm doing so as in my office of citizen. Um, uh, if uh, uh, if you if you discipline your child, you do so in your office of, of father. But it would be wrong for me to come along and and discipline your child because I don't have the office to do so unless right. unless you've given it to me like in the office of babysitter or something like that. Right, see what I'm saying? So, yeah. uh, uh, so this this really is is rather interesting. Um, what, what do you think? I about agree. That? It's rather interesting. I do. I do think it's interesting. I mean, <laughs> the, look, uh, the, it's bad when the generally bad when the Muslims are in charge of a place. So right. you kind of hope for this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But then again, you, I mean, we can endure it as Christians. We're called to suffer. Okay, good. Anyway. So, so I'm I'm ready for your news item for me. You are. I'm trying to pull something open, and my feedly isn't opening. Don't you have another one from? Oh, here it's coming. Don't worry, it's on its way. In the meantime, I do have an announcement to make. Okay. <laughs> ready right. for this? I am hosting with Pastor Melius. What is he my arch nemesis in? Iron preacher, probably. I don't know. Probably pull ups. <laughs> 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 Good looks. The, the uh, dummy, the dummy put a weight in a in a backpack to make it fair to make our pull up contest fair and still beat me. <laughs> yeah, laugh it up. Anyhow, uh, uh, we, he and I are putting together a retreat, Lutherans in the Mountains retreat. I think I've mentioned this before, but uh, this is um, uh, with uh, uh, John Kleinig, the, the professor and uh, Dr. John Kleinig down in Australia is coming, and this is October 18th and 19th up in the YMCA in Estes Park. And anyone's welcome. You bring your family. Um, there's information for registering 
um, and you gotta you gotta call up the YMCA and get the information uh, and get the room there. And then once you get registered there, then you can call and let me know. Now I don't, I don't know the cost for the room because it's all different depending on how many people you have coming and all this kind of craziness. Uh, but uh, you can register online, and then it's thirty bucks per person or fifty five dollars per family to come to this thing uh, with Doctor Kleinick. So if anyone out there is listening, then um, then this is what uh, uh, and you're interested in this, and let me know. I'll get you more information. Very good. Okay, I got some news here. Uh, it's not very much because I can't get the whole article to open. I don't know what's going on with my internet. What are you hacking me over there? Yeah, here I uh, go. Okay, but here we can we can just work with this. Royal baby. Oh no. Why George Alexander Lewis? The Duke and Duchess of Cambridge's baby have been named George Alexander Lewis. Why? <laughs> Is that it? <laughs> yeah, that's all it says. No. I don't know. I, can't, I can't get anything more than that. Oh, we got Duke and Duchess baby is going. <laughs> I think they're husband and wife, aren't they not? Yeah. That's the sixth oh, commandment. Okay. I'm not saying it. They broke the Sixth Commandment. Yeah, the just... Sixth Commandment protects marriage, and right. marriage protects babies. First yep. Commandment applies to all. Um, see, this is we in the, this, apparently this is we in the prayed royal... for the birth of the royal family at that Senate convention. How oh, in the world did that goody. end up happening? Uh, there are the royal family, so that is with the Eighth Commandment, and uh, oh no, I'm sorry, the Fourth Commandment in uh, government. Yeah. Um, that might be about it on that one. You know, I think there's something weird about this, this celebrity culture that we live in, you know? Yeah. And I suspect that that is a matter of the Ninth and Tenth Commandments, this you shall not covet. It, it leads into this kind of weird kind of cult of celebrity that we have. So people are famous just by virtue of them being famous, you know? Yeah, you don't have to actually Strange. do anything to be. Yeah. Uh, I did. I did find that striking because uh, as you were um, stalling there and pulling up your news item, I was looking through the newsy videos, and there yeah. was another one that uh, late nights Jimmy Fallon becomes a dad, um, which I, again I don't know why I, anybody cares, but uh, yeah. because he's famous, I guess. All the news in one place, multiple sources, many views, <laughs> newsy. <laughs> but but I think it's interesting because we are a culture that hates children, and yet when with <laughs> When uh, a famous family across the big pond, as they say, has a has, has a baby, hey, let's let's let's. Talk, we I don't know. It's we it. both hate children and are obsessed with children at the same time. We have a as a culture. This is a point that I think is worth pondering. We have a very strange kind of bipolar view of children because on the one hand, the greatest event in someone's life is when they have a child. And children are to be catered to and taken care of, etc. And on the other hand, you better not have too many, or you better not have one that you don't want. Yeah. But, I mean, and that's so Fourth it's, Commandment, Fifth Commandment, Sixth Commandment. It's there. fine as long as you're in control of it, you know. But if, ah. if, if, you, if, if you are just given a child, then you're, you should abort it. And we can go out to break. We'll be right back. Part-time hosts, full-time nonsense. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Ba, 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 ba,
I think uh, Catch- Pastor Ketchelmeyer covered that song back a couple days ago. I think so. Uh, you know, I was at the Higher Things Conference last week, or yeah, last week, and I had the opportunity to meet Brian Ketchelmeyer face to face. That's the first time you met the guy. First time. Oh, wait, and, sorry uh, for what, both what, of you. What he says to me is, "Hey, why why is Pastor Wolfner so chicken to have me on for Bible Bee anymore?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So we thought we better get him on, and uh, really... Yeah, that's th- all it took. That's th- all it took. <laughs> he thinks that he's on for Bible Bee, but really we're having him on to give a mission report for the uh, Redeemer uh, Theological Academy, which is a mission start of Table Talk Radio. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because we love missions. We're m- <laughs> horif- mission-erific. I- I- I Hyper-missionified. I thought it was clear that part of this mission start was that you have to give monthly missional reports of how many people you've reached... Um, so, Pastor, Pastor Ketchemeyer, will you uh, give us that report? Body decisions for orthodoxy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't remember that as part of the agreement, uh, but I do have to say that uh, when I met you face-to-face, Evan, you are much taller in person than you sound on the radio. <laughs> well, thank you very uh, much. <laughs> yeah, he is tall. <laughs> so, I, I, I didn't imagine you that tall from the radio, but yes, you're much taller in person. Uh, Redeemer Theological Academy, I can't give you person reports, uh, but what I can do is give you some updates on what's been taking place with the Redeemer Theological Academy. Not only is it a podcast, not only is it on Pirate Christian Radio every week, but now it's also on a, a radio station in Nebraska called a K, uh, KNGN, 1360 AM in Nebraska, Real Christian Radio. Every week, it's also on a local radio station here in New Mexico, KRSN, Community Radio, 1490 AM. And we also have it now on Lutheran Radio UK. So uh, it's being broadcast in the United Kingdom. And I'm just wondering if my my deep American accent is uh, something that they they are enthralled with over there. (laughs) Uh, Hey, how come we don't have all these radio stations? I know. It's like we we do this mission start, and he gets more popular than we are. I don't know. I know. (laughs) I'm totally against that. Well, you can listen to the Redeemer Theological Academy on Pirate Christian Radio at 9.30 Pacific Time, piratechristianradio.com, or just go on over to redeemertheologicalacademy.org. Pastor Brian Ketchmeyer is pastor of Redeemer, uh, I almost said Redeemer Theological Church, Redeemer uh, Lutheran Church in Los Alamos, New Mexico. <laughs> and uh, Pastor Ketchmer, are you ready for round one of Bible Bee? Oh, I am. I, I've been studying up. So, yeah, I've been <laughs> reading the Old Testament. So. Oh, ooh, okay. <laughs> now, the, the, it's been so long, you may have forgotten the way this works. You get three rounds. Uh, for round one, three verses. Round two, one verse. And round three, one word. And uh, 100 points um, for round one, 200 for round two, 300 for round three. And so, Pastor Ketchmer, your first entry for Bible B Hey, is, did we do this thing? If he misses, I get to do it? Yeah, you can steal. Yeah. I don't think we'll have to worry about that. Okay, <laughs> here it is. It says, But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself, if he does not judge the body rightly. For this reason, many among you are weak and sick, and a number sleep. Now, so so that's the text, then, right? Correct. Uh, good. Uh, so, so Pastor Gagelang here, when I'm listening to this, of course, we're talking about the cup. We're talking about the cup of the New Testament. 
And so this is going to be one of the scriptures of the New Testament, and this is talking about the Lord's Supper. Uh, in the Gospels, of course, Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper, but then there's one letter in particular where Paul discusses the actual practice of the Lord's Supper. And so I would say this is 1 Corinthians. That is correct. Way to go. Um, now, uh, this, is this law or gospel? Yeah, well, the Lord's Supper itself is this means of grace. It is this uh, instrument that the Lord uses to bestow his grace upon us, that we would take uh, this, this cup for our benefit, so that when it talks about examining yourself, this is the preparation before we take this, this good gift from God. Because this good gift removes sin. So the examining is this, you look at yourself and you acknowledge that you are in need of this good gift. So the examining part, of course, is that exposing and meditating upon the fact that you have sin that needs to be taken away. And then, of course, taking the cup itself is this removal of this sin, which is gospel. Now, uh, Pastor, sometimes I walk into a church and I look at the, the worship bulletin there and it says something like, you know, unless you are... Uh, unless you have been examined or unless you are a member of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, uh, we ask that you refrain from partaking of this. And it seems, it seems rather mean. It seems rather uh, you know, closed-minded. Uh, does this text have anything to do with that practice? Well, yes, it's, it's practice of closed communion, uh, that we want to give the Lord's gift. Uh, in, a, in a similar way, uh, you have a pharmacy that gives out medication, and you want to give medication to those who are in need to those who have some kind of an illness, a sickness, that you can give the right medication to. But a pharmacist doesn't willy-nilly just give out medication to anybody. You, you go to the doctor, and the doctor examines you, and the doctor explains to you your condition, and then he gives you this prescription to take to the pharmacist, so that the pharmacist then distributes that medicine for your good, because you don't want to take something for your detriment, something that's actually harmful to you spiritually in the Lord's Supper. All right, so 100 points for Pastor Brian Ketchemeyer, and now for pra- Pastor I'm Wolf giving him there. a cushion. I'm letting him start with a cushion. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, here's your entry, Pastor Wolf Mueller. It says, Do not fear, O land. Rejoice and be glad, for the Lord has done great things. Do not fear, beasts of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness have turned green. For the tree has borne its fruit, the fig tree and the vine have yielded in full. So rejoice, O sons of Zion, and be glad in the Lord your God. He has given you the early rain for your vindication. He has poured down for you the rain, the early and the latter rain as before. Oh, that sounds kind of Old Testament-y. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start by narrowing it down to the Old Testament and this land that the Lord gives to the promise. Don't fear, O land, beast of the field, etc. Because... um. Uh, because the uh, because the Lord is uh, is protecting it, and the old covenant, one of the big things with the old covenant is the Lord is protecting the land for the sake of the Messiah, so that the Messiah will come around. Now, uh, so, so the Lord's protection for the people, even in the midst of their repentance and their sinfulness and coming back to them and restoring them, is one of the themes that will run through all of the prophets. Now, I, I, especially um, this idea of the branch coming forth. There was a the fig and the vine being restored. This is one of the themes, for example, from like the prophet Isaiah, where he talks about the shoot coming up from the stump of David, or or even in Zechariah, where where Jesus is called the branch there. But especially with this theme of the rain, 
the the former rain and the latter rain, uh, that we uh, we hear reflections of some of the other prophets, some of the more apocalyptic prophets, like for example, the prophet Joel, who I think wrote these words. I'm going to say Joel. That is correct. Boom! Shaka-laka! All right. And uh, would that be La Gospel? Ha! <laughs> He's pretty excited right now because it never happens. <laughs> well, uh, that is that text, the former rain and the latter rain, is a theme that comes up a couple times in Joel, is used by Peter, uh, especially when he talks about the Holy Spirit being poured out uh, in the gift of Pentecost. So I'm going to have to say that that is uh, gospel. Okay, gospel it is. Uh, the score is 100 to 100. Oh, yeah, it is, go baby. Go to round two. Woo! Um, <laughs> Who needs round two? <laughs> Pastor Ketchemeyer, whenever you're ready. I'm ready. Okay, here, here is You've your... got to actually get this one. The pressure is on, Brad. <laughs> I know. Usually, usually he's sailing off into the sunset already by round two. <laughs> Not today. Uh, <laughs> all right. Here's the entry for Joel. round two. Your one Pow! verse. But women shall be preserved through the bearing of children if they continue in faith and love and sanctity with self-restraint. Yeah, this is is going to be in the New Testament, uh, New Testament scriptures, that is. In the Old Testament, of course, it was Adam who was created first, and he was given the Word of God, and his responsibility then, of course, was to teach that Word to Eve. And it was not good that Adam was alone because you would not have life until he gives, or God gives the gift of a wife, which is actually life. And so this, this ties into this order of creation. But then, of course, we have the fall into sin. And so when we talk about the restored creation in the New Testament scriptures, we talk about the Lord instituting this pastoral office so that this, this good news could be proclaimed to creation, that God and sinners are reconciled. And so Paul, uh, in particular, talks about this uh, pastoral office uh, at great lengths in uh, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus, as he talks to these successors of the apostles and how they're going to put men into this office. Uh, so I'd say it's one of these three letters, and uh, this sounds like 1 Timothy. So 1 Timothy, is that your final answer? Yes. Okay, we are going to find out if Pastor Ketchumar is drama. right. After this uh, next commercial break, you're listening to Table Talk Radio, and the game we're playing is Bible Bee. This is the game where we give a, uh, a verse uh, out of the Bible, and the contestants have to determine which book of the Bible it is located in, and then they have to speak to this uh, uh, criteria of law and or gospel. We'll discuss that more on the other side of the break. So we have this verse before us, but women shall be preserved through the bearing of children if they continue in faith and love and sanctity with self-restraint. Is that, in fact, from the book of 1 Timothy, as Pastor Ketchumauer supposes? We'll find out right after this break. We want to hear from you. Give us a call, 1-800-385-SOLA, 1-800-385-7652, and visit our website, tabletalkradio.org. More Bible Bee, you're listening to the one and only Table Talk Radio. We'll be right back. Redeem your soul. 
It's really classy up here. Table Talk Radio <laughs> will be right back. But wi- but women shall be preserved through the bearing of children if they continue in faith, love, and sanctity with self-restraint. That is the verse before Pastor Brian Ketchmeyer. He has guessed the book of First Timothy, and he is correct. Right. Two hundred points, bringing him to a total of three hundred. Um, now, Pastor Wolfner, can you speak to that verse uh, uh, for Law and Gospel? You want me to do that? Yeah, no, Pastor Ketchmeyer, do it. Please, Pastor Ketchmeyer. <laughs> Man, I don't want well, that verse. <laughs> this, this hey, man, right could be Ketchmeyer. Exactly... <laughs> what? <laughs> no, just saying. Go ahead, Brad, go ahead. I'll try every time I speak you just, uh, yeah, just, okay, very good. I'm trying uh, to throw so... you off your game. <laughs> See? <laughs> I just get used to it. He does it's it all intimidation. <laughs> Tell you what, I'll mute his, his, go ahead, he's muted now, go ahead. Intimidation, yes. All right, so anyway, so in this passage, though, uh, Pastor Gagline, is we have this, uh, it is talking about vocation and the place where God has put us to serve. Uh, so the, the place that he's put a man, as he's talking about the pastoral office in First, Second Timothy and also in Titus, is to serve by preaching the word. And so that's the place that God has instituted for the man. But now he's going to make it clear that this office is not for the woman, but this office is only for the man. But for the woman, she should fear not, because she has her own calling and own vocation in life, and that is something very unique that the man can't do, and that is give life. It's this childbearing. And so in the original Garden of Eden, when Adam was alone, it was not good, because just Adam by himself is not life. But with this gift of Eve and this childbearing, you bring forth life. And so this is where the woman is placed to serve to serve. Uh, and so it's law in that sense of describing to us how we are to love our neighbor. So the woman is to love the neighbor in the place where she's been put. And if she's been given the gift of children, she should then rejoice in this gift of having these children and being a mother. Now, the, the, the Greek word here is sozo, or saved. The NASB translates preserved, but literally... Uh, but women shall be saved through bearing of children. Is this here saying that if a woman has children, she will uh, have salvation? Yeah, well, the, the issue, of course, is that there's only one name under heaven by which we'll be saved, and that's, of course, Christ. And it's his office in particular where he comes as a mediator, to, a, media, a mediator, I should say, not a meteor, but a mediator <laughs> to mediate between us and God to save us. So there's nothing that a woman could do that would save her Okay, her Savior is Christ. But as one who is in Christ, who is living in salvation, this Greek word sozo is also the same word that uses deliver from an illness, deliver from an ailment, deliver from physical harm in this world. So sozo is is not just salvation as eternal life, but also deliverance in the things of this fallen creation. And so the Lord preserves her, takes her through this fallen creation as she serves here now. Ah, yes. I see here Mark six fifty six. It says, Whenever he entered the villages or cities or countryside, they were laying the sick in the marketplaces and imploring him that he might touch the fringe of his cloak uh, as they touched, as they, as many as were touched were being cured, or there's the word again, uh, sozo. So, uh, point well made. 
Uh, Pastor Catch My Ear score is 300, and now Pastor Wolfmuller. Woo! Let's see if you can catch up with round two. Your single verse is, But God was angry because he was going, and the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as an adversary against him. Now he was riding on his donkey, and his two servants were with him. Hey, this sounds like Balaam. Uh, and Balaam's ass, and he and he goes into the field, and he goes into the wall, and he goes into the bushes, and then he starts beating him, and then Balaam's donkey says, well, look, I, if I would have kept going, I would have run to the angel, who would have probably chopped your head off. And that uh, story occurs, ooh, let me think, where's Balaam? It's got to be when he, Balaam is called by King Balaam, Balak to go and curse the Israelites as the Israelites are moving north and uh, they're moving th- around the other backside of the Dead Sea over there if I remember right uh, and I do believe that this is after um, the wandering as they're approaching the promised land with vigor I do believe that this would then be in the book of Numbers I'm going to say the fourth book of Moses commonly called Numbers Evan that is correct. For, for the first time in Table Talk Radio history, <laughs> Pastor Wolfmuller has gotten two rounds correct. Oh, yeah! Tying the score at 300 apiece. All right, Pastor Wolfmuller, is that law or gospel? Uh, you better read it to me another... <laughs> you better give me a second to yeah. turn back to that page then. Yeah. All right, okay. it says... But God was angry because he was going, and the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as an adversary against him. And he was riding on his donkey, and his two servants were with him. Um, I don't know. That's probably going to count as history. I mean, I'm not 100% sure if... God I mean, being angry is just a neutral thing. Yeah, see, I mean, God, yeah, because, see, God is, being, <laughs> God is angry at this prophet who has been hired to curse Israel. And so he is, he's, I mean, I guess it depends on who you are. I mean, if you're Israel, so can it's that, good news. Couldn't that be if law and the gospel? If you're Balaam, it's bad news. But yeah, it's, I remember talking with the old Bri, I mean, Pastor Ketchemeyer, my Bible be arch nemesis, <laughs> walking around the seminary saying, you know, it, uh, you take a word like wrath and you say, is wrath law or gospel? And the answer is, well, it depends on who's getting it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. if it's coming to me, it's law. But if it's going on Jesus instead of me, then... As gospel, and now the Lord is angry here at 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 Balaam in order to protect his people. It is a strange bit of a story because it seems like if Balaam was a prophet, so if he would have gone and prophesied against the people, that it would have been for their hurt. So, anyway, okay, fair enough. Uh, Pastor, but, but see, Pastor Gagline, passages like this about Balaam here and this donkey, this is always encouraging words for pastors because it teaches us that God can use any donkey that's able to teach. Ah, yeah, oh, that's right. There you go. That's right. The Lord can open the can open the mouth of anybody. Yeah, including and the most stubbornest donkey, <laughs> including myself. Hey, that's pretty comforting. All right, Pastor Ketchemeyer. Your uh, your one word. This is round three now. Your one oh. word is the word uh, equipping, and that's very specific. It's not equip or equipped or equipment. <laughs> the the word <laughs> equipping is used only one time in scripture. Equipping. Uh, now that's this is going to be a funny conversation. I can already tell. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
Now, equipping uh, is interesting because is that really a word that that we find in the scripture? Um, possibly, what we could do is we could possibly find this word in the New Testament, uh, talking about uh, how the Lord sends pastors. Uh, for the equipping of the saints. And so the Lord institutes pastors. He's ascended, and he continues to give teachers to his bride to teach him his word. So this is probably in the epistle uh, to the baptized in Ephesus. That is correct. (laughs) Okay, so I'll give you the verse, and then you're right. We have a bit to talk about here. Uh, This is from Ephesians chapter 4. And uh, tell you what, let me go back to verse 11. It says, and he gave some as apostles. I'm just going to read it as the NSB has, by the way. And he gave uh, some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. All right, Pastor Ketchemeyer, go. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So so do we have a question about this? Is this a law or gospel question or what? What are we just talking about the past? Okay, tell you, well, why don't you answer Lauder Gospel first, and then we'll, then we'll extrapolate on the verse. Yeah, well, it, it would have to be in, in the direction of Gospel, because it's what the Lord is doing. Because the Lord is giving this gift of a pastor for the sake of the saints. So the Lord is equipping, if you will, as this word says, uh, the saints. And how is he doing this? Because he's giving them the gift of a pastor to proclaim his word, to give his sacraments to the people. So this is gospel. It's the Lord's action working through the mouth and the hands of this man for the saints. Okay, now, what more would you like to say about this verse? Yeah, <laughs> well, the, the word equipping is, is kind of a, a, a strange um, <laughs> passage because technically it's not a verb. <laughs> <laughs> so it, 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 it's this idea that, like in the ESV, it says to equip. And so it kind of changes this into a verbal form here, right? Uh, but technically, uh, we're looking at a noun. And so that's why I had to, to chuckle a little bit when you said equipment, because the verbal form of this verb would be to equip, and the noun form of this would be equipment, if you will. Uh-huh. <laughs> so. Very good. Yeah. So it's actually as equipment. Okay, so he gives it as equipment uh, for the same. So, so this isn't um, this isn't as this verse is sometimes used as, you know, some uh, each to their own. You know, uh, you know some uh, some are apostles, and then there's then there's others. There's prophets, and then there's others. There's evangelists, and then there's pastors, and then there's you know uh, ministers of religion, teachers, uh, you know, idea. But that this is actually describing the holy office. Right, right. And so it's this one office as he kind of gives out this list. And so all these words are being used synonymously because it's this one office he institutes, which is known as prophets, apostles, evangelists, shepherds. I mean, this is where we get the word uh, pastor from. And when it says and teachers, it's not in distinction that a, that a, a pastor is not a teacher, but this, this chi in the Greek is actually exegetical. It's actually giving you further information on what a pastor is. A pastor, that is, a teacher. Okay? So he's giving you the gift of pastors who are teachers. And then you go through this, and he's giving to the, the church, the bride, this equipment. It's for the sake of the saints. It's, it's for the sake of the work of ministry. And so what happens in American Christianity, this idea that everyone's a minister and so they, they change this into a proof text that the pastor just, he then equips saints to do the work of ministry. 
So the pastor doesn't do the work of ministry. He just is equipping people in kind of a verbal form that he's doing the action, <laughs> that he's doing that. Okay, But the action is that it's Christ who gives this gift of this object, this equipment, for the sake of the ministry. Very good. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, glad you're back, Pastor Wolf Mueller. Yeah, I, I got put in executive session. Did he get points? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, he, what was his word? Uh, his word was e- uh, equipping. I thought you were supposed to. It's, you were supposed to silence me whenever I went into executive <laughs> session. <laughs> All right. So he he got that correctly from Ephesians, bringing him to a total of six hundred points. And now it's time for you, Pastor Wolfman, for your one verse, or yes. excuse me, one word. And that one word is gross. <laughs> gross? Yeah. Gross. Could you use that in a sentence? Please? Yeah. Uh, that's gross. <laughs> <laughs> so this gross can be two things, oh, no, right? Gross true. can mean disgusting, or it yeah. can also mean one hundred and forty thousand, or whatever. It is disgusting, but it happens to be used as um, rosa. That's a gross, or like a total. That's gross like, looking. Know, that's how it, the word gross, like gross looking, is in the Bible. Yeah, only it's not the verb looking. <laughs> and it was gross. And they saw it, and it was gross. He was totally <laughs> grossed out. That sounds like a verse from the Old Testament. <laughs> Except for it, it'd be more like grody. That's what we used to say. That's grody. <laughs> Did you ever say that? You're probably too old. I mean, young. <laughs> I probably use the word grody lots. Let me think here. Gross. Uh, 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 I'm going to guess it's... Uh, uh, it's either in a narrative book or or a, a prophetic book. Or I just want to remind you, this is for the tie. This isn't, this isn't for nothing. This is this is for the tie. I know this actually matters. I could actually not be beaten this time for the first time ever. You know, I'm tended. I'm I'm leaning towards Esther, <laughs> but but I'm gonna guess the word the book of the Bible that has the strangest words in it. Is the book of Job. Job. That's it. That's my guess. (laughs) You know, Ah! I I was reading this uh, here in Jude, Jude 7. It says, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, since they, in the same way as as these, indulged in gross immortality... Immorality. Immorality, dang it. Immorality. (laughs) And went after the strange flesh are exhibited as an example. So gross immorality. (laughs) Well, Brian, thanks for joining us and thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Tested again where the points are gross. You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like your feedback on today's show. Call us toll-free, 1-800-385-SOLA. That's 1-800-385-SOLA. Or send us an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org. You can listen again to this show or any of our past shows on our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.